0: Are you
1: working? What kind of work do you do? Welcome to episode three of The Bro Code. On today's show, we have our first guest, Spencer Jennings. Awesome interview. We talked thoroughly about all phases of his basketball career, including his playing days at Wake Forest, tryouts for the D-League, and now playing professional three-on-three basketball in Japan. At the end of the pod, we also cover some NBA topics and Aaron Judge's incredible Home Run Derby performance. Thanks for tuning in wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, like, review. It's free and let's get it. Yo, we now welcome our first guest of the podcast, Spencer Jennings. How we doing? Hey, guys. Uh- Honor to be the first guest on the Bro Code. A
0: um, couple of lifelong friends we got uh, running this thing, so I'm ready to get started and talk some sports, man. All right, let's yeah, cool. um, that don't know,
2: we grew up with Spencer in Hong Kong. He went to HKS with us. He left, I think it was in seventh or eighth grade. Um, and then it's funny we haven't—we kind of kept in touch, but um, you know, since then he moved to the states, played basketball there in high school, played played basketball in college, and. We kind of kept in touch, but at the same time, you know, we haven't seen each other in forever, Um, and it's funny, I just got married in April this year, and he was able to come out to that, so it was great for both of us to, you know, see him again after that long time, Um, and now he's back on the show, so it's awesome. Uh, You want to go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself first? Uh, Yeah, sure, so
0: um, I guess, yeah, like I said, I had a unique childhood growing up uh, in Hong Kong, but I'm from... Uh, midland michigan and after hong kong i moved back to michigan into uh, eighth grade and then high school back in the states and uh kind of started getting i played basketball and baseball and all the soccer when i was really young in hong kong but kind of started focusing more on basketball when i got back to the states and uh had a pretty good high school career just kind of Got a little better every year during high school, and by senior year, I had a a pretty good year, but still no D1 offers. Um, I had a couple D2 offers, and there was a couple really good D3 schools in my area. So I actually ended up going to two D3 schools uh, as a freshman in college, but I knew that I wanted to go to Wake all along. Um, I applied to Wake out of of high school and didn't get in, but got my good grades, D3 school, and reapplied, and ended up going to Wake as a sophomore and uh, walked onto the basketball team, um, which which was awesome, but had to sit out for transfer rules, then tore my ACL, and so I pretty much, I only ended up having one real year of eligibility, um, and I'll talk more about that later, but went to Wake, and then uh, I was kind of so engrossed with basketball, I I ended up taking a year off, got my masters, and then really wanted to pursue the basketball route, and went to a couple NBA D-League tryouts, Played really well in those. Didn't get. I got a contract to be eligible to be drafted, but didn't get taken. But I had played well enough to get a couple articles written up about me. So I got to play in a tournament in Dubai. Played in Colombia for a little bit with athletes in action, and then just kind of kept going with the training and training others, training myself, and uh, that's when this opportunity in Japan came along. So just kind of a lifelong grind of not giving up and trying to help others along the way, and. Here I am in Japan playing in a Pro
1: 303 league, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. All right, uh, so let's get to the questions. Uh, first, um, yeah, we grew up in Hong Kong together. What were some of your favorite memories growing up in Hong Kong? Man, uh, where to begin? I guess uh, it all started where fate would have it. TJ and I
3: got placed on the same soccer team in <laughs> second grade. And I'll never forget it, man. We were on Team Nigeria,
0: and uh, it was just kind of – being in second grade moving to hong kong you just really can't even take it all in but just kind of this beautiful green field in this concrete jungle and of in a foreign city uh in a great city like hong kong but we had such a good time i had such a good time at least playing with nigeria and from that day on kind of tj and i were just best friends uh i always looked at tj as kind of an older brother um just kind of a big role model i mean he was always the biggest strongest fastest best athlete and he was a year older than me so um for some reason he always let me push him around i don't know why but uh, <laughs> uh he, that's that's kind of the loving kind of guy tj is, is even though he kind of could have can be swearing just kick my ass but uh he, he, he was just such a good guy that we we got along and i remember playing uh up uh, maybe on like the little Nerf hoop or the or when I was having sleepovers at TJ yeah, and playing yeah. with Ben and TJ at Manhattan and uh, going out kind of you think you're going out but you're kind of just running around the apartment complexes at night but I'll never forget that man and uh, yeah. playing on the C grade basketball team and the Tietam Tigers and our Little League team uh, TJ on the mound I think I was playing some shortstop uh, so Hong Kong I, I try to explain to people how magical of a childhood it was uh i i really when i do kind of reflect on it it kind of feels like a fairy tale almost with uh how awesome it is you got the sea and the mountains and the and the the whole beautiful city and the city's just kind of electric so i always tell people you know tokyo is great but um i've never really experienced a city quite like hong kong so i was very fortunate to
1: grow up there and i hope uh i can get over there this summer and visit yeah i feel like you definitely appreciate it more after you leave like off, go off to college and stuff. Just because, like, it, growing up, it's just like home to you. But then you leave and come back, you're like, oh shit! Like the the city's like so awesome, and like there's so many things to do and everything. Exactly right. Uh, when I going from
0: Hong Kong to Midland, Michigan was quite a, a wake up call for me. And yeah, and, yeah. And when it was eight eight inches of snow for about eight months in Michigan, I I definitely missed Hong Kong a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pictures and memories or and stories, you know, don't really do it justice either. Like, you have to, yeah. you kind of have to be
2: there um, to fully understand, you know, how great of a place it is. And, I mean, just, the, and the cherry on top, too, is, I think it's, you know, you know, the only only city or maybe one of the few cities in, in China where you don't even need, need to know the language to live there. Yeah,
3: that's
1: true. Uh,
2: yeah. It used to be a British colony until 1997, so everything is, you know, bilingual and you can get around just fine, so.
1: All right. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, when did you decide that basketball was your main sport?
0: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because I don't know if TJ felt this way, but I always kind of considered myself more of a baseball player in Hong Kong. Um, just because. No, you baseball, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just kind of small, uh, small uh, as kind of growing up. So I'd never really considered myself a basketball player. Um, and I was playing – I was pretty serious the baseball in, in, in Hong Kong. But when I moved back uh, eighth grade, we just had a terrible baseball coach uh, at my middle school. And it was just kind of totally turned me off the baseball. I think he was playing – like I was like sitting the bench. again. You know, I was the, kind of the new kid, and I was playing like left fielder bench. And I was just like kind of so <laughs> – so turned I mean there are better athletes in the States than there are in Hong Kong just because of, of the numbers and the, yeah, and the yeah. athletes. But uh, – I don't want to get into it with my middle school baseball coach on this podcast, but I was definitely good enough to play on that team. Uh, but no, after that, it just kind of like I don't know what kind. It just kind of pushed me to basketball, um, and a lot of my friends, not many of my friends, played baseball, and the more of them actually played golf. So I was pretty much kind of done with baseball. I tried out for the baseball team in high school, uh, and then they were going to have me on the freshman team, not the JV, and I said, ah, I'm just going to stick to hoops, and uh, I played on the golf team as well. So uh, as I kind of – I was still pretty small, though, uh, as a freshman, so I played on the freshman team, and then – You're still small, bro. No, no, bro. I got my weight up now. numbers in the weight room. So, uh, I'm like 6'1", a buck 80, so not terrible. Um and let's see, so in this sophomore year, I played JV and got moved up to varsity for a few games, and then kind of sophomore to junior year is really really when I made um, a lot of kind of strides. I hit a little growth spurt, uh, hit the weight through a little bit, and I was actually the only junior to be first team all-conference. It was me and then... On the list, it says Draymond Green and then me second. And I'm the only, I'm the only junior on the list. So uh, that's pretty cool to look back at kind of the uh, – it's a really good conference. In Michigan, we played in with Saginaw and Flint. A lot of pro guys ended up coming um, out of our conference. And then senior year, uh, it was kind of just my year. We had a lot of uh, seniors my junior year, so I didn't, I, I didn't get the kind of – I really like to shoot the ball, <laughs> yeah. so I didn't get to shoot as much as I'd like to. But senior year, I got to basically run point and and, and shoot the most shots in the team. So, um, just kept improving and and had a really good senior year. So, yeah, uh, and played golf as well. So, but that was always just kind of secondary. But I don't know. I feel like I chose basketball, but basketball kind of chose me in a way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and something that that um, I don't know why. you
2: you were talking about just kind of made me think, and might be a little off topic, but you said it wasn't until like sophomore junior year, though, when you kind of you know you kind of knew, or when you kind of decided, you know, that was going to be your sport. And you know, Ben and I have talked before about baseball, yeah. And we're both you know similar same way. It was kind of around that same time frame, that same age, where we you know were pushed a little bit more towards baseball, and we ended up ultimately choosing baseball. And I think. You see it more in the States because you just don't see it in Hong Kong much just because, you know, sports isn't that big in Hong Kong. But I think, you know, you know, you probably would have done the same thing if you grew up in the States. But I think the cool thing about Hong Kong growing up in Hong Kong is that it almost, because the like community sports is so active, it almost forces you to play multiple sports growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we all, with all three of us did that. And I think, you know, growing up and as you're trying to develop as an athlete, you don't need to pick you know a sport right off the bat I think that's the best way to go yeah I think you know that's you know part of the reason why the three of us turned out to be you know such great athletes we were all you know college athletes and I think some people in the states I know it's tough with certain sports like tennis and golf but nowadays I mean I see kids get um, you know they try to specialize in golf or tennis you know at such a young age and that's all they do Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's just such such a grind on the athlete, especially at such a young age. I mean, you're seeing these, you know, middle school baseball kids, you know, getting Tommy John on purpose. Um, like they the <laughs> but on purpose just because they know if they get the surgery, you know, they're going to come back throwing faster. And I think how we did it, um, you know, it just gives such a better result for the athlete, um, not just, you know, during for the sport,
1: but also, you know, socially too. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah especially a sport like baseball, like there's so much failure involved. So if you start that early and that's all you're doing, then that's just so bad for your self-esteem growing up. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, no doubt about it. I and, mean, like, just to chime in, like, basketball, as great as it was, like, I needed that break after the season. And, and to be out on a golf course with my, you know, four or five closest friends in high school, like, I wouldn't, like, in the you know the van ride back from the course, you know, talking about your rounds, going out to eat after. Like, I wouldn't trade those memories for, you know, the, they, they were just as important to me as any, you know, Wake Forest experience or, or pro experience. Like, God, those guys are lifelong friends to me. And uh, I, if, if I would have said, oh, i got to play basketball all year, around I gotta shoot shooting in the gym every day. I wouldn't have gotten any better at shooting if I shot for, you know, those four months during golf season than just kinda of taking that break, letting my body reboot and, and being fresh. So yeah. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. um, yeah. um when you were talking uh in your intro
2: about um you know ball in college and wake force I totally forgot. I knew you walked on and it was, and it was a grind, but I totally forgot you played um, D3 that first year and then you had that ACL injury so you talk a little bit more in detail just you know I guess a little bit about you know your freshman year, but then also more so um, You know what it was like to walk on at Wake Forest and how you're able to you know through an injury um, You're able to stay on um, and
0: and able to play there Yeah, so um, another thing that's kind of crazy is when I was you know in eighth grade in high school there was a book uh, called Walk-On and it was written by a Wake Forest basketball player who was a walk-on and I had been reading this book throughout my high school career uh, and the book really had a big impact on me it was well written it was about a walk-on who played with the, in the Chris Paul kind of era at Wake so um, it was still pretty new and relevant and uh, you know when I didn't get into Wake out of high school I was like oh man like I can't believe this like I thought you know that was my calling then I was gonna do all this uh, and then kind of just the way my freshman year progressed, um, I, I would have been, you know, content with having a good four-year career uh, at this school where I went to, Hope College, but um, uh-huh. it just, the the it was on the west side of the state, and I was on the east side of the state, and uh, they get 5,000 fans of the A, great student section, but they just had, like, 50 players from the west side of the state in there, and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I, even though I was, like, they told me I was a top recruit and everything, I could just see, like... There's just so many players here that are trying to play. I just said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go to Wake. So, um, I, I, I had a really good summer working out. I had, I went to the coaches, let them know that I want, I wanted to walk on. There was only gonna be one spot available that year, but luckily it was gonna probably be for like a, a, a one or a two guard. So, um, mm-hmm. there, there was about 30, 40 kids at the tryout, and uh, you kind of had basically an hour and a half to prove yourself. And, uh, luckily I hit some shots, you know, obviously proved that I can, you know, run the, they want guys that are going to be obviously like smart, that can run the scout team, that aren't going to be a problem, that really want, are dedicated. So I was kind of what they were looking for and I played well in the tryout and, uh, obviously I was, I was so nervous during the tryout and then waiting kind of for the results after when I found out I made the team, it was just like, um just, like, kind of the weight of the world off your shoulders. Like, it wasn't all for nothing. And, and, and I didn't know I was going to have to sit transferring from D3 to D1. Um, but I guess any four-year to four-year school, you have to sit. But I didn't think it mattered. So that was kind of – that kind of stunk that I just basically – I couldn't travel to the games, and I couldn't dress out for games, just basically, but I could do everything else. But obviously so – you even want to put, home games? Even home games, I had to wear a suit and tie. Damn. So uh, – that was just like a, you know, like you, you dream of putting on that uniform, running out of the tunnel <laughs> yeah. with the team. Like that's, uh, that's why you're doing all the practice and stuff. So basically I was just grinding for a full year in practice and um, like I was like, okay, don't worry about it. It's going to work. It's out of out in the end. It always does. So that, so I was like, okay, I'm going to both summer sessions. Um, cause I lost some credits transferring in. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to both summer school sessions and obviously prove that I want, cause I, even though I was a walk on, I always knew that if I maybe, if I got an opportunity, I wanted to give myself the best opportunity to get a chance to play and compete. Um, and I, so I wanted the coaches to know I was serious. I wanted to see them be on campus all summer, practicing with the guys. So first summer session, uh, first kind of open gym. Our floor's being renovated, so we had to play in a high school gym. And I go out there, and there was like a, one guy on the court who shouldn't have even been playing. And uh, but most of the guys were, you know, all D1 guys or former pro guys overseas. And I guess they say that he kind of pushed me in the back. I went to spin. I planted my right foot and when i went to spin off my right knee oh, um, like i t- i twisted and my knee just totally just popped and it was really really painful some people say they tear their acl and they don't really feel much i felt like every single tendon rip i tore my acl mcl meniscus just totally blew it out Jeez. so like i go, i go from not being able to practice and now i tear my acl uh, my junior, my junior year in college, and so like, uh, obviously, probably like one of the low points, uh, obviously, of my life career. So, when you tear your ACL, you're pretty much, you know, I got back pretty fast. I, I rehabbed really well, but you know, you're wearing this huge brace after you know five, six months, and you're just not the basically the, the same player for for the full year. So, um, that was really tough. And then I pretty much came back. Uh, as a senior, and that was—I I still, I've I still felt like I, I could play, and I was ready to go. And I played really well in practice. We had a big freshman class that year coming, like seven freshmen. So I was like, all right, I'm a senior; these guys are freshmen. And it just kind of became more apparent as the year went along. Like, no matter how good I play in practice, no matter how many shots I make, no matter. How like how, how how good of, of shooting I am? They're just not they're not gonna play a senior all coming off an ACL walk on over these freshmen that they're trying to develop yeah, uh, yeah. who are on scholarship and they've promised all this stuff too. So that was really frustrating because um, I always just kind of wanted just half a chance to, to, to prove myself in the game, so I do say I, I scored nine points in nine minutes of ACC play, so I did mm. leave the conference in uh, points per minute that year, <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, there you go. Uh, but then after that, after the season,
0: um, I was still thinking about, like, maybe, because I still had another year of eligibility, um, and I, and debating whether to go somewhere, but, i was just kind of so burnt out and then there was this really cool opportunity with the acc barnstorming tour where we got to go to basically like all, all different hype all different high schools across the state of north carolina i got to play with mason plumley seth curry yeah. ryan kelly wow. some players from nc state uh dexter strickland from unc and we would go to you know these high schools and basically kind of just play these kind of pickup games uh they have dunk contests and three point contests and we play games and you take pictures and you sign autographs. So you feel like a big celebrity next to these guys. Um, and you're making, you're making like 500, like Mason Plum, he's making basically like three grand a game. I was getting paid 500 bucks just for going out and, and, and playing, playing a game on like a Wednesday night after, after a college class. So, um, that was one of the – that was a really cool opportunities, But so after that, you basically
3: forfeit your eligibility. But uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, was, it, it was it was probably
1: worth it, yeah. Who do wow. you think was uh, one of the best players you played against? Like you mentioned Draymond Green, Seth Curry, those guys. Who do you think is like probably the best player you played against or with?
0: Yeah, so um, like when Chris Paul would come back during the lockout, obviously he was probably like the best yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ever played against and then i actually just played against him recently like a couple months ago when he came back after they lost in the playoffs i was working at chris paul's Basketball academy doing training and uh but he came back and played pickup and he was playing serious too Uh and he's just he's just really really good i actually did good on him on defense he was kind of missing shots but everybody like kendall marshall was there too uh, and he, yeah. he was and Theo Pinson and some of the UNC guys, Nate Britt, they they just won the uh, NCAA championship, and he was killing all those guys. Uh, but when he's on, there's basically kind of nothing you can do defensively. But he's got a crazy post game too, which is just like, you know, he's he's probably maybe he's probably I think he's a legit six one, but mm-hmm. he's just so good in the post at using his body, uh, and he posts up in the NBA a lot too. So that was kind of cool to see. Just how comfortable and good he is in the post, and then obviously, like he's he's such a good shooter. I I wish he would shoot more in the NBA.
3: Uh, uh-huh.
0: He's just kind of got a more passive mentality. But he was really good. Shumpert uh, Shumpert was there on Georgia Tech when I was there, and he was he was pretty impressive just because he's like six seven, really long and athletic. And then uh-huh. the guy who probably was the best player that uh, when I was there that I saw uh, was Reggie Jackson.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
0: he was he, he. went to Boston College, and he would just kill us every game. Yeah. Uh, and, and but he's like, I think he has like a seven foot wingspan. Jeez. Um. But I, 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 he, he was really good on the Thunder, and you're like, okay, here comes a shot in Detroit, and yeah. Detroit's just a, a terrible organization to yeah. play in right now. So uh, maybe he'll go somewhere and, and and do better. But he was he was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I didn't even you know, realize, you know, all that stuff after, you
3: know, Wake Forest, you went on the Barnstorming tour, and, um, you know, all that stuff. That's cool. Yeah, that's what the podcast is for, man. For sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, how else has your career progressed since Wake Forest? Yeah, so there's
0: definitely like a thousand times I probably should have given up um, the hoop career, but I always just kind of had like a little crumb that I could kind of hang on to for a little bit to kind of keep me going. And the first thing was um, I went to Santa Cruz Warriors D-League tryout. And uh, that was the first, like, I really hadn't even been playing that much ball after college. I had kind of been thinking about what I wanted to do. And I said, all right, I'm going to give the basketball one more shot. And so I kind of went out to Santa Cruz um, just to an, an open, an open tryout. And, uh, there was like 200 people in the gym. Obviously, everybody. This was this was like 2014, and uh, or 2015. And I went out there and and I played played really well during the opening games. And they they ended up cutting it cutting it down to 20 guys. And they were like, "All right, we're, we're gonna name the guys that are gonna stay." And and I was the first name called uh, out of everyone in the gym. I don't know if it was in order or not, but it felt good. It like, yeah. all right, here we go. So. Um, and then we played with basically a couple pickup games with the best guys in the gym. And, uh, it kind of showed that I really hadn't been playing that much. Cause I got, I, it was like first time in my career that I ever, I'm, I'm in really good shape, always kind of cardiovascularly on the court, but I was really, uh, kind of winded at the end of that during, actually during the final games too. So I was like, you know, I didn't do enough to kind of, I knew I probably wasn't going to get called back being just a six foot white guy yeah. and not really, <laughs> Killing it in the last couple of games, but it gave me kind of enough to say, like, okay, like, you know, see what you got, see what you can do, keep it going. Um, and so then the next year I went to basically the national trial in New York, and I just probably played the best I, I could play there. And then the Celtics, uh, they wanted me to come work out in, in their kind of individual one, and I played so well there. And I actually, there was a reporter in the gym. Who uh, saw kind of be playing and, and, and did a write up on me in a video interview? So in the in the in the Boston like mass live uh, section, so that kind of gave me a little more confidence. And I went to the Sioux Falls tryout in uh, South Dakota there with the Heat, and that one went okay, but. Uh, and anyway, I did get taken, but I was able to parlay that into playing for a tournament in Dubai, where I went out uh, with the CBA, which is a semi-pro league in the states. So we went over there as the American team and played against kind of Egypt, Qatar, uh, the UAE team. Uh, yeah. There's a team from the Philippines, so it was kind of that. That kind of kept me going. Uh, and then I went to play uh, with Athletes in Action in Columbia where we played with pro teams, and that was just an awesome experience to play with guys who kind of had the same faith as you and are good, solid Christian guys and and, and still talk to a lot of those guys to this day and play for a really good coach there. So kind of as this progressed, I was just kind of getting better and better, I felt like, and I felt like I was getting closer and closer. Um, And then kind of this three-on-three opportunity kind of, Came out of nowhere. I I found out about it on Instagram last year, just looking at a picture, and then I contacted the league. I tried to get in at midseason last year because um, they had like a midseason draft, and I was talking to one of the teams, and it was funny. The team that I was talking to, they're in my conference this year, and they ended up not taking me. And uh, and so this year, uh, the 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 kind of the owner or GM of our team was was asking me about how they were wanting me or how I was I was talking to them last year and they said they didn't want me and now this year they said oh we want Spencer now after seeing me play over here so that was kind of some rejuvenation after they basically told me oh no we're not going to take you last year and now this year after playing a couple of games here they're like oh man we we, we want Spencer we should have taken <laughs> him so that was pretty fun yeah yeah yeah
3: so uh,
1: um, what's your uh, regular like routine or schedule now in Japan uh like how often do you practice and with stuff like that yeah
0: so it's kind of interesting when I first got here the team I'm playing with is in Okinawa which is kind of an island off the mainland of Japan so all our players on the team live in Okinawa and and, and kind of work regular jobs and, and, and practice in Okinawa uh, and I went there for three weeks for training camp and kind of just practice with them when uh, they work on two of the guys work on the military base there so i was lifting at the military base and working out um and just kind of enjoying okinawa is like, it's kind of like almost hawaii of japan it's, it's really nice uh and if you want there's a lot of americans with the, with the with the with the strong military presence so um they all live in okinawa so i like don't have a team to practice with during the week but um luckily i kind of was talking to the people at tokyo american club Um, And I've been helping they have kind of younger kids during these summer camps or kind of summer training sessions So about twice a week I'll go help out with the kids at Tokyo American Club help them with basketball training I I really I really like doing that like at Chris Paul's basketball academy I just find a lot of fulfillment out of helping kids get better and improve their basketball skills and then outside of that I'm I'm I'm, I get up uh, if if it's not one of those days I'll, I'll get up shoot in the morning uh, do my weights, come back. Uh, I like cooking. I'm, uh, I got a good grocery store. I go to whip up some, some healthy food, and then uh, maybe some days take a nap. Some days I'll just kind of chill out, and then I'll go back and and, and shoot some more and stretch it at uh, kind of mid afternoon, and then my day. And then I'll eat some dinner, so my day is kind of over at six thirty seven. Eat some dinner and and get ready to do it again. So I do I do credit a lot of my development and my kind of success or kind of improvement to a good solid routine and the discipline to uh, kind of do the same thing over and over again, even if it is monotonous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Awesome, man. So I guess lastly, um, something cool to leave the listeners with um, for anyone, you know, kind of in a similar boat you're in as a, either, you know, as a walk on or someone thinking about, you know, walking on or someone, you know, kind of struggling with, um you know the sport they're playing right now not sure if they want to keep going or not is there any advice you can give them as far as you know how you're able to you know um you know stay on this same path and stay strong and stay disciplined um able to follow through
0: yeah for sure so any kids out there you know young athletes that are looking to like find a way walk onto a team. I'd say, first of all, definitely go for it. I mean, and I think it's important in life to have goals, uh, have dreams, go after what you want in life. Uh, the first thing I'd say is, you know, reach out, let the coaches know um, that you're interested, whether that be first by email, but definitely when you get on campus, uh, go to the coach's office, introduce yourself, give them a firm handshake, look them in the eye, tell them, you know, that you're interested in playing, what you can do, what... Basically, any way that you can kind of get your foot in the door and they can know, put a face to a name, uh, and know that you're interested so that come tryout day, walk-on day, they know who you are, they know you're committed, you've taken the time to come in, come in and meet them. Um, I think that's really important. And then as far as it, it, being a walk-on, you know, every, it, it, it's sweet to be on the team, it's sweet to say, oh, yeah, I played Wake Forest basketball and everything like that, but as far as like everything behind the curtain – it's, it's a grind, and it's a struggle, and a lot of times you feel like, you know, you're underappreciated. Uh, a lot of times, you know, like there were some practices, you know, when I first got started, where you're just holding the pad for two hours, and you don't get even get to, you don't even get to shoot the ball. Uh, and then, you know, I was able to kind of earn more respect from my teammates, and then they realized I could play. It, it got better, and, and you developed a rapport with guys in the locker room and going out with them. But for a while, you know, they, they just kind of... A lot of the coaches look at you as we can replace this guy really easily in a second so you kind of got to be you know not walking on eggshells but you got to be careful the whole time because they do look at you as well there's a th- there's a hundred guys that want this guy's position and if he acts up does anything wrong uh, we can get him out of there but you know as you as you progress and as you get on the team uh, you, you develop relationships and obviously that improves but um a lot of it it it, it is a hard journey but i would you know in the end it's definitely it's definitely worth it it's definitely worth it to to take the time um and, and, and go through it all i'm definitely a better man because of it i went from being obviously the best guy on my team in high school to you know basically last man my first year on the team so you learn a lot about yourself you know when you're, you're a star athlete in high school and you're getting all the attention, all the newspaper articles, all the videos and interviews, uh, and then you go from nobody really you know, caring about you as far and not being able to see the court, you, you, you do develop you know, more humbleness. You do, you do develop, you, know, you understand what other people were going through in high school who were the last man on the bench. So um, it definitely made me a more complete person. It definitely taught me a lot about service and sacrifice. Um, and being a good teammate and being a good person. So uh, now I can look back at that, you know, going through that. It gives me confidence, you know, in my current day to know, okay, I made it through that. Now, you know, this is, this is easy now where I'm getting to play, you know, pro three-on-three three ball. Um, I'm getting, you know, good shots and good looks. It, it, that, that going through that struggle as a walk-on, uh, you know, kind of gave me more confidence in my career um now that things are going you know better than they were in the past so yeah for sure and I think just
2: kind of like what you said you know if you're so worried about you know the outcome and you know if you're going to make the team and all that stuff you know then you're you're already lost the battle I think like you said you know just falling in love with the process um you know falling in love with that daily grind is going to get you through those tough times and I think one of the when I was playing indie ball, which you know people make fun of saying it's semi-pro, but it's really pro. We're just not affiliated with you know any minor league teams. But one of the best advice someone gave me was, you know, at the end of the day, just control what you can control, and everything's going to work out. Because um, you, you know, start worrying about you know other people, you worry about the coaches, you know, not playing you and all that stuff. I mean, you know that that's that stuff's not going to help anyway. So if you just take care of your business, control what you can control, um, you know, like you said, everything's going to work out.
0: So, yeah, no doubt about it. We definitely live in a society today where it's so easy to get lured into comparing yourself to others, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, you know, everybody's lives look so lavish and fun and and awesome all the time because you're just posting the best stuff and what people want to see and, um, you know, video editing and Photoshop and whatever the case may be. You just can't get caught up in all that. Like, you got to be the best version of yourself. you got to approach every day. Being the best you you can be, and and like you said, controlling what you can control. I I, like you make so many decisions the day that that either can help you reach your goals or they can hurt you reach your goals and you know one of the things that really helped me was you know focusing on my diet focusing on the stretching am I going to go out every weekend am I going to you know or should I be in the gym getting good sleep so I can be ahead of the next guy the next day it's the little things over time that kind of added up for me and snowballed and it didn't happen overnight it was kind of just this slow process of kind of a lot of work went into it slowly constant improving. but the little things they do make the biggest difference in the end so um focus stay in your own lane have that tunnel vision like they put those they put the they put the tunnel vision on the horses because if because uh, if the horse sees the other horse on the left or right it 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 messes it up and they trip and fall so you kind of have got to have those blinders on and believe in your work ethic believe in your process believe in the dedication that it's going to take you to where you want to go and uh it 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 worked for me and 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 it it, it like he said, hard work's undefeated, and, and I really believe in
1: that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I got one last question before we move on to sports. Um, with like Curry and the Warriors kind of changing the game with like all these three attempts they take, do you think that's kind of helped your career progress? Like as that's become a more valuable asset in the game? Yeah, you know, I definitely think it has. Um,
0: the three, the shooting is such a a, a great art of the game, and. I, I I respect people who can make threes at a high rate because I know the work ethic. It, you don't just become a good shooter; it takes yeah, yeah. hours and hours of practice. Um, and so I, I do appreciate you know anybody that can shoot the basketball. So it's helped me not only as a player, but yeah, when I when I train when I train people too, everybody wants to be a, a better shooter now. So when I go in the gym and, and you know people see me shoot, they say, you know, how can I do that? And at the Chris Paul Academy, it's, it's really popular when I can demonstrate that I can shoot the ball. So the Warriors in Curry and Clay and, and, and KD now, Uh. um, it's definitely I, I love the movement of the game I think that the game is at a place where it's never been and I don't know if it ever will be because of you know the three shooters that they have on that one team so yeah. uh, I, I really appreciate the art of the game and it's definitely helped me in my playing career and coaching career as well so it's been awesome yeah sure and I, I need to say one thing real quick um,
2: <laughs> for those of you that know look up Spencer James on YouTube I think was it
0: 40 you made 47 out of 53s or, or what was that? that that's, yeah, 47 out of 53s uh, from
1: the – that was, that was when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Yeah. He has another one wow. like 19 threes in a minute, I think, which was pretty impressive. 19 from,
0: from the NBA three-point line in a minute yeah. is the other one. Yeah. Is that a record? So that, I think that's the unofficial uh, world record. Yeah. I saw a guy make 18, and, and I made 19. So you have to go basically 19 for 19. You can't miss. Yeah. Um, and then you really got to. In you gotta order, a, you gotta have a good rebounder too. Shout out to my dad, Jenny uh, <laughs> Jennings, who, who who's who's definitely had a big part in uh, my basketball career from all those rebounds.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Scott>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to some sports. Uh, do you guys want to start with the NBA stuff? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we'll huh? TJ, you want to lead with some NBA? <laughs> 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 you to start it off. Like, you guys take that one. <laughs>
3: So obviously, you know the Golden State Warriors are, are the talk of all the NBA. Um, yeah. And I was just, I just wanted to
0: say my own personal take on the KD going to the Warriors. Um, so much of basketball, and if you play basketball in five on five, you know, or three on three, or whatever, and whatever aspect, uh, so much basketball is teamwork and having fun and, and and having a good vibe with your teammates. There's nothing better than playing. Good five on five basketball with a good team, and there's nothing worse than playing basketball with four guys that you don't like to be on the court with. Yeah. Uh uh-huh. And so I just thought so much of KD got you know the people that that you know hate on KD going to the Warriors, I just think are missing just a kind of a huge part of just a quality of life standpoint from being happy playing the game. And if you mm-hmm. just watch him and Russell Westbrook on the court. It's just tough to play with a guy. i is I I love Russell Westbrook and I love his kind of dog mentality, but it's it's really hard when you're as good of a player as Kevin Durant. to kind of get iced out on the wing or yeah. kind of have a guy take 35 shots and have, you know, two assists for a night when, you know, as KD probably the best scorer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um and you know you got this beautiful team that that, that they're, they're moving the ball, they're having fun, and I don't think Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were great friends off the court either. I think he's a pretty kind of alpha dog, kind of tough guy to get along with, you know, on and off the court. So, um, you know, KD's in the prime of his career. He sees an opportunity where he can go have a ton of fun, play in the Bay Area, um, win championships. It's it's I would I would be really if. People say that they wouldn't do what he do. I'd say, you know, try to walk a mile in his shoes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It just sucked for me personally because I was, like, a huge OKC fan. But, like, (laughs) I understand the decision, though. But um, more blame, I think, has to go to the coaching area than Westbrook. Like, Westbrook definitely hindered KD's game a little bit. But the coaching staff, like, their offensive system, if you looked over the years, just sucked. It was just those two players... And nothing else, no ball movement, no real plays or anything. So I think that was a big cause of the decision as well. Yeah, they made terrible
0: signings. Uh, Like Kyle Singler, they had Kendrick Parker on the team. Uh, Deion Waiters for a while. I mean, Deion Waiters is kind of doing his thing now, but he's not a good fit there. It's just like, yeah, from... They traded Harden, which obviously was a terrible trade back in the day. Uh, So, yeah, definitely management. And at least... You gotta find a way to kind of, I, I know, get those guys working more together. But yeah, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, I think KD made the right move. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and I think, like you said, you know, people are kidding themselves if they say,
2: you know, yeah, they wouldn't do that. Um, and the thing that impresses me the most about Golden State is they have so many people, like you said about team chemistry, um, but they have so many people on that team who you know work without the ball. Um, you know, you watch Clay, you watch KD. It's not just you know, ISO one-on-one, um, you know, holding the ball for 20 seconds, and then they draw it and shoot or kick out. Um, everyone on their team works without the ball, and they have such good team chemistry. And it's funny now that, you know, uh, this, this the Golden State Warriors have become like a power team. There's other teams around them that are trying to do the same thing. But, you know, you can't just get, you know, a bunch of good shooters and then try and emulate what Golden State has done. Because um, that's not going to happen. You just you need to have all the right parts, all the moving pieces, and I think when they added KD, um, you know, they just they just kind of kept on going. So, um, and I will say, I
3: I I think okay, I think we can all agree, Steph Curry, best shooter of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Klay
0: Thompson, who personally, just by watching, I think Klay Thompson is a better catch and shoot. I think Klay Thompson is the best catch and shoot player of all time. Yeah,
1: you can make a good uh-huh. argument about that
0: too. And so then Kevin Durant, I think in the league today, I think he's the third best shooter in the league as far as not like okay, maybe JJ Reddick or somebody would make more like just like standing in the gym, but as far as like scoring and shooting, and Kevin Durant what 50 40 90 probably guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's 6'11, so as far as like total scoring shooting, I think he's probably the probably with him, Clay, and Steph, you probably have the best three shooters in the NBA all on one team.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, and then that's why I predicted. I, I thought
3: I before the series I said Golden State was going to sweep the Cavs, and uh-huh. uh,
0: they almost did. The kids yeah. needed to make what an NBA record in threes to to win a game. Yeah. Uh, but then kind of just going back out of uh, – we don't need to be talking about the finals that ended a couple months ago. But just the, the fact that the Cavs were, like, refused to slow the game down was just, like – Yeah, weird. It's like, you have Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and then LeBron. Like, just let LeBron play bully ball and get Draymond Green, you know, three or four fouls. Get Nguidao yeah. into foul trouble. Just, like, literally slow the game down and just have him try to foul out most of those guys. Tristan Thompson, you just have him bang in the post. Kevin Love have him bang like you do not want to get in a running match with the best scoring team of all time and they were like even LeBron and
1: Tyloo like oh we're gonna we're gonna play fast with them it's just like yeah that's weird how they were so stubborn with that <laughs> yeah like, I couldn't believe it they, they they were saying in press conferences like yo we're, we're a running team or whatever but if you look at like their regular season stats like they were 17th in pace or whatever so like that just wasn't <laughs> their game so it, it was really weird. For me. Yeah, so, but now,
3: yeah, well now obviously all eyes are looking at next season. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, do you uh do you like Boston
1: to contend with Cleveland now with the recent Gordon Hayward acquisition? I mean, I think they're still a step away, but the thing I like about all their moves is that they're set to compete in, like, 2018 and, like, 2022. They just have so much young talent, and right now with, like, IT and Hayward, they're ready to compete, like, right away. Like I definitely wouldn't take them over the Cavs, but I think it goes like six or seven games.
0: I think I think they're definitely closer. I would have, if I was them, I would have traded. Uh, I would have. Tra- I would have taken. I would have taken Fultz, and I would have traded Isaiah Thomas for. Yeah, that's one that's piece. Fair. And then he gotten Gordon Hayward as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so then you, have, you know, I mean, because
0: Fultz, he's a big, strong guard, and he can uh-huh. match up with guys. Isaiah Thomas, as great as he is, kind of scoring, it's just he's so limited with his size. Uh, I yeah. thought that would, I, thought, I think, but I think just because of the year he had and kind of, you know, how he kind of embodies kind of the Boston cities with his yeah, grit yeah. and, you know, I think that they kind of
3: felt like they almost owed him to keep him. Which
1: yeah, just, yeah. It, but it's tough though because they're going to have to give him a max contract next year and that's going to be tough giving someone that little of size who's such a liability on defense such a big contract. yeah.
0: I wonder if they I wonder if they will if they get dusted by uh the Cavs again though.
1: We'll yeah, see. yeah, we'll see. Um how about Lonzo Ball? What's your thoughts on him so far? You know, I I watched a full
3: Summer League game of him today. Uh uh-huh. and they're on to the semifinals. Yeah. I got to say, at first I wasn't a big Lonzo guy. Yeah. But
0: watching him in Summer League, first I love his poise with the media and his interviews. I mean, Uh-huh. I'm sure he's taken a ton of classes and courses and, and, and practice with with media, and he's, and, you know, he's gotten kind of used to it now with how many how many media requests he's done. But I love his poise, I love his demeanor. He seems super humble. He seems like a you know a, a good guy. And then I love the way he plays on the court. I mean, the, the passes he makes, the look at. I would love to play with. I would love to play with him. Yeah. Uh, as far as the shot goes, I think I just saw he's shooting 19% right now from three and seven. Yeah, league. yeah. Uh, um, and his shot, shot mechanics are just like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. Like, like, how, like, in high school, dude, how, like, how, how does somebody, like, whose dad is
0: that crazy <laughs> and stuff, like, let, let, let your son, like, throw it up like that? Yeah.
3: So, uh,
0: I think he's a better shooter than he's showing right now, mm-hmm. but. The guy he's he, he's really impressed me. So I think I, I texted my friend this today. I said I think Lonzo's gonna be special and I don't I mm-hmm. don't throw that word out. I don't throw that word out um, just to anyone. I said yeah. Steph Curry was gonna be special back in the day and I'm I'm gonna hit Lonzo with the with the special tag as well. Ooh. So <laughs> I don't know if he'll win rookie of the year. Uh-huh. Uh with, you know, Ben Simmons being in the contest. Yeah. Uh, and you know Dennis Smith is mm-hmm. another guy who's going to be putting up probably a lot of numbers in Dallas. Yeah. Um, and then Fult, uh you know Fultz and Simmons are probably going to split some votes. But I think yeah, uh, Lonzo. Uh, I think he could win Rookie of the Year, depending on how they use him. I I don't like Brandon Ingram uh, mm-hmm. on their squad. I'm selling Brandon Ingram. I'm buying Lonzo. <laughs> what about you? You like
1: Lonzo? Yeah, I like him. This uh, well, first of all, with the press conferences. It just amazes me, like how calm he is compared to like his dad saying all this crazy stuff, and like his kid's know, completely how old is he different. Twenty years old to have that kind of like,
0: demeanor and poise. I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, but yeah, but, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. but it, what's impressed me the most is just the adjustments he's made. Like that first summer league game was awful. There's no defending yeah. him, and now he's putting up crazy numbers. He has two triple doubles. He had a 36, eleven, and eight game as well um and that's without shooting the ball well which he's shown he's capable of in college so um very I impressive because like even though his shots all jacked up to the side
3: i still think it comes out like pretty well he gets the yeah. rotation it's not like
0: side spin or anything like uh-huh. when he gets it going you know he's got like a good kind of step back jay and he kind of cocks it to the side it, it doesn't look like super like it, it's just the way he brings it up obviously yeah yeah is, uh, is, is whack but as far as yeah the mechanics after he releases it it looks it looks pretty sound
1: yeah, like I don't think he's gonna be like a crazy shooter like Curry, but he shot over forty percent from three from in college, so and that's a bigger sample size than summer league so far. So I think he'll yeah. be high thirties eventually in his prime. So I think he's gonna be really good. I've been very impressed with the adjustments he's made.
0: Nice, nice. We're both buying Lonzo.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the mid range game needs to improve though. Cause he like doesn't take any of those, and eventually defenses are gonna um, adjust to that and make him pull up from that distance yeah
2: he needs to watch some Chris Paul footage on that
1: yeah that's <laughs> it <yet. laughs> but yeah the form is kind of messed up like TJ's form probably looked better in high school and
0: that <laughs> <in> <laughs> TJ's kind of have some Lonzo ball form now that I think <laughs> back and remember it <laughs> am I crazy <laughs> just
2: like Lonzo I got it done at the end of the day <laughs> true true
1: that's all that matters that, that matters, is man. true you or not. Uh, yeah. any other names that have surprised you so far in summer league uh, you know who did you know who's surprising me is a
0: Demon Deacon, a Demon Deacon uh on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw him on uh Sports Center at the end of the
3: night. He probably had the dunk of the summer league.
0: hmm Um uh, so this guy's name's John Collins and yeah. he uh he's sophomore out of wake this year and he before the year he was on nobody's draft board and he dominated the ACC this year. I mean, from an efficiency standpoint um, he, I, he always leaves it like a 20 and 10 guy shooting 55, 60% from the floor. Um, I got to watch him play against Duke both at Wake and at Cameron. Mm-hmm. And, you know, playing at Cameron is uh, is not an easy place to play, and he just, he, he went to, uh, get, uh, playing against Tatum, too, mm-hmm. and he was, he put in work against Tatum, I think he got like 26-12 and 12 that game, uh, and he's, at the Summer League, same thing, I mean, he's, in, he's he's probably playing 25 minutes a game, scoring almost 20 points, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a good official rebounder, he plays hard, he runs the floor, he's really athletic, so they just got rid of Paul Millsap, and, uh... Obviously, Al Horford's not there anymore, so I think they're Atlanta's going to be probably counting on uh, yeah. counting on him to, to play some good minutes this year. And and I like what I'm seeing out of him. I'm buying the Demon Deacon, uh, John Collins is maybe a dark horse for rookie of the year. <laughs> I don't even see any rookie of the year odds on him right now.
3: Yeah. But um, maybe if you could get some on him at fifty to one, you definitely <laughs> may want to allocate some capital that way. Yeah.
1: I haven't seen uh, too much highlights of him. I've been busy with work, but at the very least, he's going to be a crazy in-game docker for sure. Those highlights yeah, are I, unreal.
0: And he's a hard worker too. He's like one of those guys that... He he definitely put in the time and the strength. Wake's got a really good strength and conditioning coach, and he put in the time with them. Uh, he was, he was one of the guys, you know, first one in and last one out, really working on, uh, like. He's, he's, and he's got great form on his. I know, I know TJ would do great great form and his hand clean and uh, power <laughs> clean. So that, that, that hopefully, yeah, I, I think that's attributed to a lot of his improvement in balance because he didn't come into Wake with that kind of athleticism.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, so uh, last NBA talk it topic because i think tj's feeling a little left out um but uh do you have any sleeper teams going into next year that uh you're looking forward to all right let's see here so uh you know who i kind of like i want to i'm
3: interested in the, well obviously the timberwolves uh-huh. um they're gonna be a good league pass team yeah
0: nba league pass team with you know i've I wanna see I wanna see who's gonna be the man there. Is it gonna be Carl Anthony Towns? Is it gonna be uh, is it gonna be Jimmy Butler? Is it gonna you know, Wiggins needs to kinda of just chill out with his yeah, long contested yeah. pointers? Like he <laughs> just needs to be a freak. He needs to run the floor hard, he needs to grind, he needs to, you know, be an athletic Andrew Wiggins. We don't need him, you know, trying to be the man. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're gonna be a good team to look out for. Um, I kinda of like to see uh, the Nuggets with Millsap and Jokic. Yeah, I, that should that, be really that fun. Jokic guy's crazy. Yeah, he's the Joker. awesome. The Joker can play some ball, so I'll, I'll <laughs> see, we'll see if they can make the playoffs next year. They barely missed it. Uh, this yeah. past season. Um, I'm still selling the Thunder. I do not. I'm not a Paul George guy. Really? Wow. Uh, I'm not a Paul George guy. You would You know, like what
3: uh. You see what he did to his uh well first of all, he's a great talent, don't get yeah. me wrong. But uh-huh. he's too much of a of me first uh uh-huh. on the man. Like remember when he like he got double teamed
0: and he passed it to CJ Miles in the playoffs against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And CJ Miles, you know, took
3: the shot and mm-hmm. then
0: he you know, he's waving his hands around in the air on the court, like, you know, selling out his teammate. And yeah. then he sold him out again in the press conference after the game. Mm-hmm. And then the
1: next game he sold out another teammate, I forget who it was. Do you remember that? Uh not sure. In the second game, like
0: like he, he like felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough or something. He called uh-huh. out his teammates again in the press conference, and it yeah. was just like, man, like, uh, so. I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic with him and Russell Westbrook. I heard yeah. like somebody on Bill Simmons' podcast the other day. They were talking like Thunder 3 or 4 seed in the West next year. Uh-huh. Uh I'm saying no way to that. I'm saying maybe 7 8 seed wow. and it went yeah, I'm not I'm not buying uh I think it's going to be really hard for those guys to play together. Paul George has been the man in Indiana uh-huh. uh, the whole time and there's an alpha dog in Oklahoma City yeah. waiting for him. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. I don't know. I, I, uh, I do yeah, like the Thunder more than you. Um, okay. Just because I'm a big Westbrook guy. I know um, he, he's hard to play with sometimes, but I think they can really stagger their minutes with Westbrook and Paul. Um, I think one thing you saw against the Rockets is that Westbrook – when he was on the court, they actually outscored Houston by a little bit. But when he went off, like that's when they really struggled. Like throughout yeah. the series, I think they got outscored like by fifty-eight points in five games without Westbrook on the floor. Mm-hmm. So um, with Paul George, I think they can stagger minutes, and um, he can play with the bench and help them out a lot. I don't know, but I I, I understand what you're saying about um, two alphas being a problem.
0: Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, they, it definitely, you know, they need Ennis In, Canner and Stephen Adams to definitely do more than they did yeah, last season. Yeah. that will come a little bit with Westbrook maybe trying to get them a little more involved. Uh-huh. Uh, the other thing I didn't like about Paul George was like, he was on Woj's podcast the other day and he said, uh, they were like, did you, because this was actually pretty interesting. The the Pacers try to trade Clay for Paul George. Yeah, did you yeah.
3: That? Yeah. And uh, the Warriors said no, which is pretty funny. Uh
0: So the Warriors were the team that said no. And then Woj asked Paul George about it. Uh And Paul George was like, that would have been something that uh, basically, that would have been like the Chris Paul to the Lakers commissioner declined that trade. And so he's basically saying like the commissioner would have declined it because the Warriors would have been too good. Uh But it's like, They didn't, like, the Warriors didn't want you, bro. So they're saying, the Warriors are saying there would be worse with you on the team. So Uh why would the commissioner block it? So he's basically got this, you know, image of himself, like, oh, like, I'm so good, like, the Uh commissioner would block it. The Warriors were the
1: ones who rejected the trade. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, we'll see, Um, man. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, moving on, uh, we got some Aaron Judge talk. TJ, you want to lead the way?
2: This guy is a beast. All rise, for him <laughs> Judge. Um, no, I'm sure you guys saw the home run derby. Um, it's funny. Uh, you know, me and the boys were watching it, and after um, you know Stanton, the rain champ, got beat by Sanchez, um, everyone's like, "Oh, there's one upset down." And then four hits, you know, 22 or 23. It's like, "Oh, there's no way. There's going to be two two upsets. There's no way Judge is going to come back and hit you know 23." But here he is, in 23. You know, without a doubt, making it look easy, and then he just crushes the competition the rest of the way. Um, I mean, this guy is—he's amazing to watch. And I think the thing that I keep on bringing up is that um, when he played um, last year for the Yankees in limited playing time towards the end of the season, you know, he hit 179 in 27 games, had 43 strikeouts, nine walks. Um, I mean, people—people forget—he was—he was gonna get traded. Um, because you know he didn't really play that well at all, but he comes out this year, comes out on fire. Um, and I think, I think it's it's funny after I've, I've watched him a bunch this season, he kind of reminds me of Steph Curry a little bit. How not not like not this past season, Steph Curry, but when you know um, you know Steph started really making a name for himself and hitting all those crazy shots. Because I think. Judge, he's almost becoming, or he can become, you know, the face of the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a great name. Um, he's huge. Um, and, you know, in the media, he's kind of like even keel. Doesn't talk too much, doesn't talk too little. Um, and I think he's almost becoming like must-see TV. How like Steph and the Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, are and have been, um, where they're in town, it's almost like, got to turn the TV on, and you got to get to a game just to see, you know, what Stephs can do today. I mean, Judge is slowly becoming, you know, that guy for the MLB.
3: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: I think, like we've talked about, with the pitchers dominating so much lately, it's kind of nice this season to see this barrage of home runs and have Judge, you know, to be the head of that. That's pretty awesome.
3: Um, yeah.
2: And then not just for the home runs, um, you know, there's a little bit of talk of the Triple Crown race. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now. He's had 319, um, 66 RBIs, 30 home runs. I mean, he's, he's a great player all around. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to be tough to sustain those three numbers throughout the course of the second half. Um, but, I mean, he's right up there, and he's got a good shot.
1: What I really love about him is uh, his focus. Like, a guy that young, um, I think it would be easy for him to be really distracted from the success and just have like, fun, a lot of fun off the field. But, like, you've seen that with, like, a, a guy like Puig. But um, his focus has just been incredible. He's kind of just staying even-keeled, and that's why he's been so successful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, just as kind of like a... Almost a non, not, not when I'm saying, non baseball fan, but a very, very casual baseball fan. Like, this is exactly what the MLB needs because, like, I turn on that TV and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, a 6'7", yeah, chiseled lumberjack, like, good looking guy, like, just mashing 800 foot home runs. Um, it's, is it's kind of, it definitely, like, draws the casual baseball fan, um, and to watch that. I wish the home run derby, like as great as it was. You know you'd like to see almost kind of like a preliminary round
3: where you're not knocking out Stanton and then whatever Boer yeah, or whatever yeah. his name was you know where it's okay like, okay you take the top you know four
1: scores from that first round and then send all those guys on because yeah
0: um, I think that would have made for a, you know an awesome then semifinals have guys go head-to-head to a final but um, it kind of stunk getting all the you know the, the, the kind of you know it would have been sweet to see Boer and uh, Stanton and uh, and judge all advance, and then kind of build it up to a big kind of climax uh, finale. But um, I mean, the yeah. guy—he's—he's—he's real—he's he's amazingly impressive. He's playing in the New York market, which is awesome. And I hope that kind of—I hope it kind of makes Bryce Harper and Mike Trout wake up a little bit and say, like, all right, like, yeah. am I just gonna give this guy the throne? Um, and and, and see what happens there. Yeah. Um, and I think.
2: You're right. It's, it's kind of a shame, because it would have been nice to see you know Judge and Stan in the finals, or in the semifinals. Um, but with this format, we didn't get that. And I think, I don't know how they would do it, but that's the only thing. I mean, I love the home run derby. I thought it was awesome this year. Um, yeah, I think the format is great. The only thing is, like you said, the home runs, they don't really roll over. Um, so you, you can almost lose to a guy that, overall, you've hit more home runs than. Yeah. It um, yeah. doesn't really make sense, so I don't know how how they're going to fix it, um, or if they even tried to. Just because it was such a good show that uh, you know this time around, but like you said, maybe you know just have the top four guys go and then do head to head because uh, you know a judge stand final. I think everybody wanted to see that. Yeah.
3: yeah, for
1: sure. All right, guys. Special thanks again to Spencer for joining the podcast, and hopefully we can have him on again sometime soon.
0: Anytime, guys. Anytime. Uh... You know where to find me. I had a great time, and uh, shout out to the bro code. Yeah, thank
2: you. Yeah, it was a great time catching up. Thanks for thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and then, real quick, just give the listeners, you know, some of your social media, just so you know yeah, they can yeah. give you can follow. Oh yeah. So uh, Spencer
0: Jennings is his full name, and my Instagram is uh Jen underscore twenty three. S P E underscore two three. And so I'll be posting a lot of stuff from uh, our three-on-three action here in Japan. We go to Kobe, Japan next weekend to play, and uh, should have some more uh, highlights and photos to share. And if anybody wants to ask me questions about, you know, walking on or, or, or playing pro ball or you know, diet, nutrition, strength and conditioning, shooting tips, whatever, um, always happy to help someone. So uh, hit me up.